Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh everyone. Welcome back to Quran 30 for 30. Alhamdulillah. We are blessed today to be joined by Sheikh Yusuf Wahab, Alhamdulillah, who's the director of our Quranic studies uh, department. Alhamdulillah, Sheikh Yusuf is a uh, graduate of Al Azhar University. He also is a graduate uh, from the University of Windsor. I guess, uh, in, in the Faculty of Law. I forgot, Sheikh, which one it was, but I know you're also a law graduate, alhamdulillah, I And uh, you've been doing quite a bit of work, alhamdulillah, I on Quranic studies. However, since you joined Yaqeen, the amount of just uh, rich work that has come out uh, of that department has been beautiful. In fact, we released, I remember last year, the Tadabbur paper uh, with yourself and Sheikh Shinawi just on how to read the Quran with Tadabbur. Uh, with reflection, and I think that is probably, you know, one of the most important papers to read for the viewers of Quran 30 for 30, the listeners of Quran 30 for 30, how to do tadabbur, how to recite the Quran properly. And we also had the Ulum al-Quran paper. Sheikh, what are some of the papers that have come out? What's coming out this month? What what can we expect from the department, inshallah ta'ala? Yeah, um, so as, as you mentioned last Ramadan, alhamdulillah, we were able to release the tadabbur piece. Um, and uh, alhamdulillah, this Ramadan also we're trying to uh, highlight certain uh, points and content that was covered in that paper. We have some new creative assets that would visualize certain concepts that were explained in that paper. Uh, we have a tadabbur as one main theme that inshallah we're going to produce multiple different products uh, from the department on inshallah. Uh, another theme is the scholarly contributions to the Quran and understanding the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the paper that was just released uh, a few days ago on Ulum al-Quran. Um, it provides a general framework of the different disciplines that serve the Quranic text and also that highlight the context of the Quran. Uh, in order for us to build a kind of a proper connection with the Quran, uh, we need to understand both the textual meanings and the contextual uh, meanings as well. Understanding the Mecca and Madani, understanding Asbab and Nuzul, the occasions of revelation, understanding the, the different uh, intersections between um, Islamic law or fiqh and uh, the Quran as well, some verses are clear, some verses are a little bit ambiguous. There is a, a method of reconciling between different verses. So Ulum al-Quran help us provide uh, or help us uh, establish really a proper and a strong connection with, with the Quran. Uh, another paper, inshallah, coming very soon, hopefully in this month of Ramadan, is a paper on um, Qiraat, introducing the concept of the different or the multiple readings of the Quran. Um, how can the Quran be recited differently or why the Quran actually can be recited differently? Did the Prophet والسلام, uh, read in all these different readings and why? What, what's the point or the wisdom behind having multiple qira'at with some examples that uh, help enrich our uh, Quranic experience that the Quran has this beautiful multi-layered uh, uh, phenomenon of, of meanings that one qira'at in, in with a small diacritic mark difference from, different from the, the, the common qira'at that we know might add a whole different level and a whole different dimension of the meaning of the uh, of the qira'ah. Inshallah, also we have um, an objective or a theme of the history of the Qur'an. <clears throat> Excuse me. So the, the the history behind the compilation of the Qur'an and the, the, the Mus'haf, the Uthmanic Codex, and how Uthman compiled the Qur'an and how the, the origination of these qira'at also happened from the time of the Prophet ﷺ to the Sahaba and to the, our imams of the imams of qira'at and the Qur'an afterwards. So I would say these three main objectives, tadabbur one, establishing connection with the Qur'an, also ulum al-Qur'an, the different disciplines that serve the Qur'anic text, and also the history of our mushaf and the Qur'an are three main objectives that, inshallah, we're going to, um, uh, bi'ibnillah, provide more content on, inshallah.
MashaAllah. So this is deep, deep, deep research and, and work that's being done on the Quran. Alhamdulillah, we're, we're blessed to have you, Sheikh Yusuf. Sheikh Yusuf, uh, you're originally from Egypt. What's okay. your favorite Egyptian suhoor? Oh, uh, back then or now? <laughs> <laughs> After Canada messed you up. Yeah. <laughs> it felt that uh, there has been a transition. Uh, usually, you know, we, we believe in, in the magic influence and, and the magic power of food, you know, like having just uh, Egyptian recipe of beans. This is something that we, we believe is just magic. You will never feel any kind of hunger if you actually eat food. Or the whole country, I believe, actually has, to, like, eat uh, food on this floor. I know there are a lot of bad stigmas. Sheikh Abdullah is laughing. There are a lot of not really good good uh, perceptions about food and its effect. But this is this is my culture and this is my food. It's, and it's a superfood. It. <laughs> it's a superfood, right? It's a superfood. It is. <laughs> 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 well, I'm just going to say there was a sheikh if, if there was an Egyptian Ammu that once told me if I eat enough ta'amiyya uh, I'll be as strong as Sheikh Abdullah one day just, just <laughs> you know. Does it, you do you think know. it's true like if you eat food and ta'amiyya you don't have to work out as much as Sheikh Abdullah uh, I don't think so I believe in the power of <laughs> from, from first hand experience <laughs> I do believe in that one not, to we'll diminish, not to diminish the, the, the strength and the power of Sheikh Abdullah, mashallah, but I, I, I do also appreciate the power of Fulam Absolutely. Sheikh Abdullah, if you ate Egyptian food in Ta'amiya, you'd be, you'd be a lot stronger. We're just trying to give you ideas with all the guests that come on. We're trying to give you things to incorporate into your beast program. Because if you've seen Egyptian bodybuilders, have you seen Egyptian bodybuilders? Oh, yes, yeah, of course. Egyptian bodybuilders don't, don't play, mashallah. They don't play, mashallah. You have to inform the world that you're not calling me a fool. What is fool? Let the people know. They don't know what it is. What is it? And Ta'amiya. Explain what it is. Okay, so fool is, is, is beans. I know there are a lot of different types of beans, but I think it's the beans. common uh, Arabic beans. And Ta'amiya, everybody knows falafel, right? Um, falafel. And it, yeah, and I, and I always um, feel very proud of just using the word Ta'amiya because people didn't know it, and I feel very insulted that everybody <laughs> just uses falafel. I know it belongs to multiple other cultures, but Ta'amiya is still... Actually, interestingly enough, there is one uh, like uh, area in Egypt, Alexandria, that actually, until today, they use the word falafel. They didn't use the word Ta'amiya. So it's still typically considered an Egyptian. Like, well. yeah, yeah. Or is... Um, I don't know. <laughs> it's still, so it's, it's typically considered still an Egyptian word, but Ta'amiya is the more common word. Yeah, but it's, it's basically the same thing. Instead of hummus, you have uh, beans in it. So all we know, Sheikh, is that it's definitely healthier than pakoras and mihari and, Ooh, you know. Like I'm not going to comment on that. Very smart. Very smart. All right, <laughs> Hamza, we spent like the longest time. I promise to our viewers, I apologize. I'm fascinated with, with Egyptian food and food. And inshallah ta'ala, we'll, we'll maybe uh, one day have, have a longer discussion on, on maybe sincerely or something else about Sheikh Yusuf's food preferences. But. Now we need to get to the Quran bit in the Ta'ala. So inshallah ta'ala will go ahead and start. Bismillah alhamdulillah wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala. We are now in the 11th juz. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to complete the Quran and allow the Quran to complete our, our hearts and our lives. I want to focus on two ayat uh, and really focus on one ayah that is the perfect response to what we had spoken about in regards to Surah Tawbah. Uh, verse 57 and 58, verses 57 and 58 of Surah Yunus. 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ya ayyuhan nas, qad ja'atkum mawa'idatun min rabbikum wa shifa'un lima fi sudur wa hudan wa rahmatun lil mu'mineen. O humanity, O mankind, indeed there has come to you an admonishment from your Lord. Ja'atkum mawa'idatun min rabbikum. Now, this idea of an admonishing from your Lord, the admonishing of your Lord applies to everybody, right? Everyone who is hearing the Qur'an, everyone who is interacting with the Qur'an is interacting with this maw'idah from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, from their Lord. And that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ya yuhan nas, O people, right? So it refers to the believer and the disbeliever, the Meccan and the Madanian, the person of every single background, this is a maw'idah, this is a message for you. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَشِفَاءُنِ مَا فِي الصُّدُورِ It is a cure for what is in the hearts. SubhanAllah, a beautiful response to, and I'm not going to elaborate too much on this ayah uh, today, but it's a response to this idea of people who have فِي قُلُوبِهِمْ مَرَضٍ right? People who have a sickness in their heart, or people who have زَيْغٌ who have a crookedness in their heart. This Qur'an, is it is a cure in what is for what is in the heart. And if the heart is healed, then everything else will be healed. If the heart is cured, everything else will be cured. If the heart has proper perception and perspective, then the eyes will see properly, the ears will hear properly. A person's happiness will be in accordance with what is in their heart. Because as we know, constriction in the heart is what leads to sadness and misery. No matter what a person has in terms of material wealth and gain, if they have constriction in the heart, then they do not benefit from or find happiness from anything that has been given to them. It is shifa'un lima fasudur. It's a healing in every way. It heals us from the uh, from the innovations in creed over time. It heals us from uh, from all of the corruption that exists on this earth, and it heals us from any type of punishment that may come our way in any of the realms. وَهُدًا وَرَحْمَةٌ لِلْمُؤْمِنِينَ And it is a guidance and a mercy for the believers. A guidance and a mercy for the believers. Uh, this ayah is full of wisdom and perhaps Shaykh Yusuf, inshallah ta'ala, this being his area, maybe would, would want to comment on this. But I really want to focus on the next ayah just because of the context that it comes in. قُلْ بِفَضْلِ اللَّهِ وَبِرَحْمَتِهِ فَبِذَارِكَ فَلْيَفْرَحُ هُوَ خَيْرٌ مِمَّا يَجْمَعُونَ Say, O Prophet, say that in Allah's fadl, in his bounty and in his mercy. Bifadlillahi wa bi rahmatihi. In his bounty and in his mercy. Let them find joy in that. It is better than whatever wealth they amass. SubhanAllah, this is such a powerful ayah, especially coming after Surah Tawbah. Uh, and really, you know, the, the obvious meaning that you take from it, right, is that, you know, you find joy in Allah's bounty and in his mercy. That's where true happiness is going to be found. It's not going to be found in the material gains that people are hoarding and the things that are diverting them from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, the, the real richness of the tafsir of this ayah uh, comes first and foremost in how the ulama define the fadl of Allah, the bounty of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his mercy. The ulama you know, all of them, of course, in their interpretations of this or their reflections of this, enrich the uh, the interpretation of the other. Uh, some of the scholars said the fadl, the bounty of Allah here is referring to al-Islam. It's referring to the religion of al-Islam. And the rahmah, the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala here is referring to the Qur'an. So some of them said fadl is Islam. 
Rahma is Quran. The mercy is the Quran. Why? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions that when the Quran is being revealed, then be silent and listening to it, heeding what the message is. So that you may gain the mercy of your Lord. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, of course, in just the previous ayah says, that this is a mercy for the believers. So they said, Fadl is the entire way of Islam. The entire way of Islam. This is a bounty. And Rahma is the Quran. And the proof of that that some of the scholars use is when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, That today I have uh, completed my religion uh, for you, uh, perfected my blessing upon you, and I have chosen for you Islam as your religion. And so the ni'mah here, the great blessing is the guidance of Islam. Okay, the guidance of Islam. Some of them said, Bifadlillah refers to the Quran. The bounty is the Quran. And the rahmah, the mercy, is the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Okay? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَمَا أَرْسَلْنَاكَ إِلَّا رَحْمَةً لِلْعَالَمِينَ We have not said to accept as a mercy to the world. And so the fadl of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would be the Qur'an. The mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would be the Prophet sallallahu who is the manifestation of the Qur'an, right? In human form, in the sense that he is in his akhlaq, in his way, in his character. He is sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the walking Qur'an. He is the walking Qur'an. So again, Islam being fadl, rahmah being Qur'an, or Islam, you know, the fadl of Allah, the bounty of Allah being the Qur'an, the rahmah being the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And then some of them said, bifadlillah is the Qur'an and Birahmatihi is when Allah made you, Quran, when Allah made them from the people of Quran, uh, which is a beautiful you know, interpretation that some of the scholars mentioned because it doesn't contradict the previous one. The Prophet is the pinnacle of Ahlul Quran, right? The greatest example of what it means to be from the people of Quran. He is the greatest person of Quran. And so the scholars here mention. When Allah made you Ahlul Qur'an, when he made you the people of Qur'an, right? That this is a way of Allah Azza wa Jal now invoking the proof that the Sahaba have found in their own lives of the happiness that the Qur'an has brought to them, the fulfillment the Qur'an has brought to them. Realize this is later on now that, look, this is not you know, a hypothesis. This is not theoretical. This is not something that will happen for you in the future. You have experienced the sweetness of the Qur'an. You have experienced the sweetness and the healing and the cure of being from the people of Qur'an and what that has done for your perspective. Remember that. And he's recalling that for them, subhanahu wa ta'ala. So when Allah made them from Ahlul Qur'an, and of course, that is better than what they gather. Okay? Huwa khayrun mimma yajma'un. It is better than what they gather. And this is actually a point that, look, as you are perhaps... You know, seeing these people gather of this material wealth, remember that you gave up everything of this world to be from the people of Quran. And look at the happiness and the fulfillment that you have now. And you haven't even entered Jannah yet, right? The real happiness is going to be in the hereafter. And I will uh, leave off and hand it off to Sheikh Yusuf with one thing because Sheikh Yusuf is the, of course, uh, I'm going to put him on the spot because of his uh, specialty in the Qur'at. Uh, one of the Qur'at is, فَبِذَارِكَ فَالْتَفْرَحُوا instead of uh, then in that you rejoice okay not in that they rejoice but in that you rejoice where Allah is addressing the believers
uh, directly. So Sheikh Yusuf, if you have anything that you want to add to that or any reflections, I know that uh, perhaps it ties into, inshallah ta'ala, what you are going to be uh, covering. Tafadl Sheikh. Barakallahu feekum Sheikh. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Wa salatu wassalamu ala rasulillahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So yeah, subhanallah, as I was saying earlier, qiraat always adds different layers to the meaning. Uh, one possible understanding is you identify who is the primary recipient of the verse or the primary addressee of the verse. If the ayah is talking about those people and telling them or kind of blaming them that you should rather rejoice the fadl of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his mercy uh, rather than any kind of worldly gain. Or Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is doing what we know in, in the balagha to be iltifat or a grammatical shift that now he's shifting the khitab or the, the address of the Qur'an to the companions of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam tell them this is what your primary concern should be to rejoice the, the, the fadl and the rahmah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah knows best that always qira'at bring um, these beautiful um, reflections and, and, and multi-layered meanings, mashallah. Um, moving in, in Surah At-Tawbah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala addresses the, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in a, in a beautiful and very important ayah, ayah number 103. Uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, take, O Muhammad, from, from the wealth, a charity by which you purify them and, and cause them increase. And pray for them or um, invoke the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon them. Indeed, your prayers are reassurance for them. Um, the, the Muslims' um, spiritual attitude towards finances should be informed by the, the Islamic theological and aqidah concept that all forms of wealth are uh, or ultimately belong to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In fact, our scholars of aqidah, of, of Sunni theology, they discuss the definition of risk. What is the definition of provision or risk? And the majority of Sunni theologians, they said that risk is actually what one actually, not potentially, consumes and benefits from. What you actually benefit from in the moment, this is your risk, this is your provision, not what you owe, not what you possess. And of course, this is a, a, a theological definition, it's not a legal definition. From a legal perspective, from a fiqh perspective, whatever you own is your own property, is your own, you have a, a valid and rightful ownership of the things that you possess. But when you look at it from a theological perspective and also from a spiritual reflection of this theological belief as well, you feel that what you actually consume in the, in, in the moment is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has written and willed for you to, to consume. That, that, that's why Imam um, Al-Laqani said in his famous poem, Al-Aqidah, The risk, the provision according to the people of Ahl-Sunnah is what, they actually, what people actually consume and, and benefit from, not what they possess, waqila. He referenced another opinion that some people said, whatever we own is our risk. And he said this opinion wasn't adopted by the majority of the scholars. And we can see the reflection of this meaning in a lot of different ayat and hadith of the Prophet If we have uh, or perceive risk from this perspective, this has to reflect and to uh, motivate our uh, charity giving without fearing any kind of scarcity. And that also highlights how the Qur'an develops a discourse about charity and about uh, uh, paying zakah. Here in this ayah, and we talk about a Madani Qur'an in Surah At-Tawbah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling the Prophet to administer or to collect the zakah from people. 
But if we look at the bigger picture of the entire Quran and we see how the Quran gradually revealed theories of charity contributing uh, contributions uh, and highlighting of different objectives of a charity, whether it's it's objectives that relate to the, the personal inward spiritual experience of helping others, of alleviating poverty, of making sure that there is a distributive justice established in the society and there is equity and common good established. And also the spiritual connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala fulfilling one of the primary obligations of Islam. Verses revealed in Mecca about zakah and sadaqah and charity established the right and the haq of some categories of the recipients of zakah. Take care of of, of the needy people in the society, take care of your relatives, take care of the orphans in general, without specifying a particular amount or um, uh, a system of uh, the recurrence of the obligation, how much I should pay and when I actually should pay. When the Prophet ﷺ moved to the Medina, the, the, the Medinan Quran or the Medinan revelation further organized the, the zakah. Now we have more refined definitions of the recipients of zakah. The concept of zakah is being now more uh, widened to respond to new social needs of, of the people in, in Medina. Now the Prophet ﷺ has a system and there are multiple venues of income to the system of the Prophet ﷺ because now there is the topic of the war booty or the, the spoils of the war. So zakah started to be developed as a financial institution over these stages of the Mecca and the Madani Quran. And one important part of this development was the fact that the Prophet والسلام, as the, the head of the Muslim community is responsible for collecting the zakah and the charity from the Sahaba, from the Muslims, and responsible also for distributing them to those who deserve the zakah. When we reflect on, on this system, we can obviously see the, the empirical wisdom behind making sure that justice is served and those people who need financial assistance are actually receiving the, uh, their, their portions according to the obligation that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala obligated us. But when you reflect on zakah specifically, we find that it has this unique blend between the spiritual benefit that goes towards the, the payer, the, the, the giver of the zakah themselves, and also goes for sure to the one who receives the zakah. Imam al-Ghazali rahimahullah, uh, was saying that any shari law um, uh, has a particular purpose. But the purposes of shari laws are of three different types. We have shari laws that the mere purpose is pure devotion to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There is, not, there is no um, necessarily a, a perceived rational uh, meaning behind this. Like for example, if you perform hajj and you're going to stone the shaitan in hajj, it's obvious that the, the main purpose of this ruling is just to show your submission to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala command to do so. You might not be able to find a particular rational benefit or interest that would be fulfilled by uh, abiding by this command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. On the other side, there are ahkam or rulings that have very clear rational benefits. If, if you took a loan, it's an obligation on you to repay that debt or that loan. And this is something that the hikmah or the illa, there is an effective legal cause behind doing this. But there is a third purpose of some shari rulings or laws that actually constitute a composite of both meanings. And zakah belongs to this one, if we want to apply the framework of zakah to, to, to this taxonomy of Imam al-Ghazali, the three purposes. Zakah belongs to the last one. There is a spiritual element in the zakah, and there is the empirical wisdom of the zakah that, uh, as Imam al-Jawaini, Imam al-Haramayn, for example, said that it's a universal consensus among Muslims that zakah is to fulfill the needs of the uh, the poor and the needy Muslims. Uh, but when we look at the spiritual reflections of zakah, you find Imam al-Razi, for example, in his tafsir, extrapolating 20 different points of wisdom of the zakah and of paying sadaqah. 12 of them go actually back to the person who gives the zakah. 
And a lot of these benefits are about how zakah can spiritually uplift the person, how al-mal, money, as Imam al-Razi said, is derived from, from uh, or is related to a derivation of the word mail, which means inclination. And mal, because people always incline towards mal. And this mal would cause the tughyan, the transgression of human beings. That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala described human beings to be uh, indeed a human being has transgressed or transgresses. Why? Because the following verse explains because a human being sometimes feels self-sufficient and they don't need Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And mal or money and wealth is, is a main reason that would cause this uh, feeling into human beings. What's, what highlights the spiritual reflection of zakah is the actually completion of the verse when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, after asking the Prophet والسلام, to take care of the administration part of zakah, you take it from them and distribute it as implied by the meaning, he said, and pray for them. Your prayers for them are actually reassurance for the companions. This highlights two main points, and I would conclude with that. The main point is one of the spiritual reflections of zakah is the beautiful relationship between the donor and the recipient. There is this ulfa, there is this love and, and respect and, and social harmony that actually happens in society between both sides. And actually one of the, uh, the adab, the etiquettes in the sunnah that the recipient makes dua for the, the giver. That's why the scholar said you, you should diversify the aspects of a charity so you can get multiple duas from different people and that might coincide with one of them being a righteous or a saint person, a wali. And, and inshallah, their dua will be accepted. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grants you something by virtue of their dua. The other reflection of this command to the Prophet وسلم, is how his dua for us is, is very important. How the presence of the Prophet وسلم, physically during the time of the Sahaba and, and the people at the time was mercy to them. And even after his death, how his presence in our hearts and how his presence by adopting his sunnah and how his presence by believing in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in prophethood would also be a mercy for us. Uh, there's a famous uh, line of poetry um, um, that one, one, poet, one poet before said, uh, There's a famous common Arab proverb that says, for one eye we, are, we, we honor a thousand eyes. And Imam al-Jawzi once was asked by a person, is there any meaning in the Quran that resembles this, this uh, beautiful romantic uh, line of poetry? And he said, yes. It's the verse in Surah Al-Anfal in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, وَمَا كَانَ اللَّهُ لِيُعَذِّبَهُمْ وَأَنْتَ فِيهِمْ Allah will not punish them as long as you, you are among them. It's how much Allah loves the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and honors his presence. وَمَا كَانَ اللَّهُ لِيُعَذِّبَهُمْ وَهُمْ مُسْتَغْفِرُونَ Allah will not punish them as long as you're making istighfar. Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Abbas, he said, the Prophet is gone. So maybe we lost that privilege of him being around us so we would be saved by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from his punishment, but istighfar is still among us. And by doing istighfar, we still, by asking for Allah's forgiveness, we still can uh, reach that level of the protection and the reassurance Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us by the presence of the Prophet sallallahu in our lives. Actually, another scholar after Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Abbas, Imam al-Qushayri, added, he said, I would also say both parts of the verse are still uh, available for us because the knowledge of the Prophet sallallahu the knowledge of his sunnah and his way in our hearts should actually stand on behalf of his physical presence among us. As much as we're connected with him, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will grant us protection from his punishment and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will grant us mercy by virtue of our connection with him, by virtue of his prayers and dua for us. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us reassurance and, and tranquility by the prayers of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and Allah knows best.
Zakalah beautiful, beautiful, powerful reflections. May Allah subhanahu wa reward you uh, for all of that. Inshallah, I'll just go ahead quickly and hand it over to Sheikh Abdullah bin Naitana. Jazakallah khairan. Bismillah wa salatu wa salamu ala Rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wa la'ama ba'du. So when talking about this sadaqah and talking about zakah uh, and subhanAllah, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, it's important to bring it back home in regards to all of these actions of the sharia, subhanAllah, they go back to subhanAllah, as he was mentioning, whether it's something that is irrational or it's something that's strictly ta'abudi, something that we just do simply, we don't know the rationality behind it, but we do it. That can be a test for the individual that is totally engulfed in the physical, the tangible, i.e. the dunya. And subhanAllah, in the chapter of Surah Nuh, or Surah Yunus, excuse me, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala addresses the reality of the dunya. And this is one in particular, uh, particularly myself, when I was looking into Islam, the concept of the dunya in Islam was so profound to me because it was, look, don't look at what people are doing. Don't worry about anyone else. As a matter of fact, everything in this world will end. So what are you acting for? You're doing it for what purpose? Okay, we're doing it for Allah. But one thing that will help you in attributing this characteristic of a mukhlis of sincerity is realizing the place of your place, realizing the position of the dunya in religion, in Islam, in, in, in regards to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's intention for you as a human being. So you find consistently, uh, subhanAllah, as Umar bin Khattab, when it was mentioned, he was with some of his companions and he looked at a trash can and he said, he said, this is the dunya that you all cherish, that you all desire and love. You find the concept of the dunya in Islam, in the Quran, and in the sunnah of the Prophet it's always something that should not be cherished to where it is preferred over the akhirah. Meaning that whatever you choose to indulge upon, any actions that you choose to embark upon, be considerate of the akhirah. And not only the dunya. Be considerate of the akhirah first and then maybe the dunya second. Let the dunya be a means to the akhirah. You use the actions of the dunya to make sure that it solidifies or helps you in remembering the akhirah. So when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about in the chapter of Yunus, Yunus, he mentions his greatness and he mentions the creation, how he creates and subhanAllah, the reaction to some of the people in the earlier verses, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about how there will be people that will ask Allah in times of hardship when they are in the Bahr. And then they will say, if you saved us from this, then surely we would be truly thankful. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala goes on and mentioning right after that, because there are people that will be negligent of Allah. But when they're in times of hardship, as we talked about before, they will reach out to Allah and they will call. If you were to save us from this, we'll be very thankful. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala continues on after that. He says, anjahum, uh, yabath, fil ardi haq. And then when, when we saved them, they became uh, outrageously against all that is right. They, be, they went back to their old ways. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala continues on and he says, uh, uh, yeah, ya Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says to them, he says, uh, take your little enjoyment of this life, of this present life. After he says, your outrageous behavior only works against yourselves. All that you are doing and oppressing yourself, it's only against yourself. It's not going to harm Islam or Allah at all. Then Allah gives the introduction and he says, 
Take your little enjoyment in this present life. In the end, you will return to us and we shall confront you with everything that you used, that you have done. In the end, you will confront us, meaning that you are going to go in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, yawmul hashr, when he gathers all of you together and you will be addressed and you will be asked. You will be addressed and asked about what you used to do. Then Allah mentions in the verse, and that's what I want to capitalize on in verse number 24. Allah says, after we're going to break this up briefly. Allah firstly says here, the reality of the dunya, and he gives a parable, a method, as it's called, is a parable, where Allah likens something to something else to prove a point. Sometimes that the second thing, the mushabbah bihi, the things in which he gives a likeness to, is something that we can relate to and understand with our senses. So Allah says here, the example of the worldly life is but like rain which we have sent down from the sky that plants that plants of the earth, earth absorb, those from which men and livestock eat. So that's the first part. Allah says the dunya is like water. Some of the scholars mention why would Allah liken the dunya to water? And there have a number of opinions. Some would say four opinions or, 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 or explanations as to how the dunya is like water. The first of them is that water doesn't stay in one place. It doesn't stay in one place. It's always moving. So the dunya is always changing. One day you're this age, one day you're 20, the next day you're, you're 92. So things always change from sickness to health, happiness to sadness, you know, rich. You, you have money and then you lose money. Things are always changing in this dunya. There's another aspect also where they say, and this probably is the strongest, is that with water, if you don't, you only take what you need because if you take too much of it, it can even be harmful for you. Even water. It can be harmful for you or in the way that you use it can be detrimental to you. I guarantee you, if I was to take a glass of water right now and pour it over all of these electrical, electrical devices in front of me, the water would have been harmful for me. It would have been harmful for me. Sometimes the water you use can even be haram for you. So the dunya is in the same way. Thus, Allah likens the dunya to water. And you even see this in the chapter of Kaf when the law gives the same, the same beginning. Uh, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in my method al-hayat dunya when he talks about the dunya, that he says the dunya kama in anzalnahu sama, that it is like the water that we descend down or that we bring down. So in the beginning he says, Methalul Hayat dunya kama in anzalnahu sama. It is like the water that we bring down, bihi nabatul ard, and then the, the vegetation mixed with it. That mankind and livestock benefit from. So from this dunya, we are benefiting from what it has brought forth from the from the nabats, from the, uh, uh, the the vegetation. Then Allah goes on and he moves on and he says, until when the earth has taken its adornment and is beautified and its people suppose that they have capability over it. To where they're mesmerized by this dunya, they take from it, they take from the dunya, and when they take from this dunya, they start to reach the level of thinking that they have power over it. As we know, Sahibu Jannatain, in the, in the chapter of Kaf, the individual with the two gardens, he reached the point to where he thought there would be no afterlife, that it's all here. I'm going to benefit from it. Rather, I'm the Malik. I'm the owner over it. I'm the ultimate owner over it. To where, subhanAllah, Allah is showing that, subhanAllah, if we do not remember the Akhirah, we can be maghroor with the dunya. We can be deceived by the dunya. And as Allah mentions, don't let the dunya deceive you. Because when you gather a lot of things in abundance, it can deceive you. 
as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, you'll be deceived by the dunya That's your life. You will be deceived by the dunya until you visit the grave. When are we going to stop? Remember Allah, wake up and realize that our actions should be of the akhirah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala continues on and he says, when it'll be beautified and they will think they have capability over it until there comes to it our command. Our command by night or day and we make it as a harvest. And if it had not been, as it, as it has not been flourished yesterday. SubhanAllah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is showing here that his amr, his situation will come to where he can cause whatever you cherished to demise. SubhanAllah, even your family members, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in Surah Al-Kaf, Al-Malu wal-Banuna zinatul hayatid dunya. The same verse, or later when he mentions that the, the money and children are from the zina of the hayatid dunya, they're from the beautifications of this dunya, because it will end. But what will end? The actions of good, the actions of khair. So using the dunya to benefit you in the akhirah. Whatever ayah and sign of Allah, you use that to benefit you in the akhirah as an investment. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala concludes, he says, <clears throat> when he says after, after that, thus do we explain in detail the signs for people who give thought. All of what is mentioned from what Sheikh Omar mentioned, from what Sheikh Yusuf mentioned, Hafidhahumullah, all of this will not benefit if we are not from the people who give thought. Yatafakkarun. We think, we ponder, we wonder why, we ask questions, we ask Allah to open our hearts to this message. And primarily in this particular portion of the dunya, realizing the reality of the dunya and knowing that there is a place that is everlasting. And that's where Allah concludes. And he mentions in the next verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala calls you to Dar salam He calls you to the place of peace, the humble place of a peace of peace where it is forever. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us of those that recognize the reality of this temporary place and allow this temporary place to be a place of investment in the akhirah. For verily, after the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we inshallah can be in Dar salam Subhanallah, the the uh, the tie-in of, of the three that I just you know it's, it's just the previous juz that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says to respond to Allah and to respond to the Messenger Sallallahu when they call you to that which gives you life, and it is it is just abundant uh, throughout these few ajza. In fact, what gives a person life? You know, there there's such a perspective shift that happens in these few uh i mean subhanallah even surah yusuf which will be coming up to the next dues right just shifting of perspective you know as to what what gives a person life what gives a person happiness what gives a person joy how a person can view life and the pursuit of the, the hereafter uh, differently so barakallahu fikum beautiful beautiful reflection sheikh yusuf you have any uh take-home message for us I can't stop thinking about the, the ayah that the Sheikh Abdullah just highlighted and bringing the, the, the qiraat again in the discussion. There's another qiraat with uh, the critic Dhamma and Mata'a, Mata'a al-Hayati dunya how the Quran views that, that our, our transgression that we do, our baghi, our injustice that we commit is actually against ourselves. How is that related to the Mata'a? How, how is this related to the enjoyment? We actually transgress against ourselves merely for the sake of enjoying this very short and temporal life.
which is very um, uh, intriguing. And, and both qira'at would actually lead to the same meaning, whether it's the predicate of the sentence that your transgression is the enjoyment of the life or your transgression is against yourself, which is only for the sake of the enjoyment of this life. I think this is the, the, the take-home message, which is like how we view this entire life um, and how we, we should always remind ourselves that this life is too short and it's not actually worth it to transgress against ourselves or against the, the, the limits of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We enjoyed having you on. We enjoy all of the uh, the research that you and your department produce. Alhamdulillah, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala continue to benefit uh, all of all of us uh, through you. And may Allah count it heavy on your scale, Sheikh Yusuf. And uh, we also enjoyed your insights on food and ta'amiyya. And tomorrow we'll have, uh, tomorrow we have a Daisy guest, by the way. Tomorrow we have a Daisy guest because I took shots. Okay. I, I said I talked about Nihari and pakoras and Okay. Uh, I'm gonna get in a I'll lot of things. We have we have a Desi guest to, to come and defend Desi Sukhur too. Sheikh Abdullah, what's your favorite Sukhur? I'm hungry today, man. I'm, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> it's clear I'm hungry. Sheikh what's your what's your what's your Sukhur, Sheikh? Come on, you just gotta give it to us. What's your what's your Sukhur? dates, dates, watermelon, and maybe some electrolyte drink, and then some water, and then maybe some oatmeal. That's it. Right. That's the stuff oatmeal. you eat to be swole. But what's the stuff you eat to be happy? <laughs> That's it, man. <laughs> That's it. See, see, too much processed food and sweeteners, they bland the taste where you're not, when you taste vegetables, you're like, ooh, it tastes like dirt. Well, it's supposed to. It's, it's supposed to be organic from the ground. This is what we want. So, alhamdulillah. Stay away from the processed food and the shaitan of sugar, as was mentioned before, and you'll value the colorful vegetables and what Allah has created. Nabatul Ardiani. You know, so alhamdulillah. That's my favorite suhoor, man. All right, so uh, you just called people suhoor dirt. I think we should end there. I think that's very offensive. <laughs> you know, if you'd like to apologize, you're, you're welcome to, but... <laughs> I, I was just thinking, actually, I, I, I can never now join Sheikh Abdullah in Atikaf. I would be very scared if Sheikh Abdullah <laughs> in Atikaf. I, I cannot do that. <laughs> Good to know, alhamdulillah. <laughs> yeah, come to Valley Ranch if you want real suhoor. Stay away exactly, from Yeah, uh, definitely. Okay. Let's go, Allah. May Allah bless you both. May Allah bless everyone who tuned in today. Inshallah, I will see you all tomorrow. Jazakumullah khairan. Assalamu alaikum Salams, guys. I'm Mohammed Zaud, and I'm here to tell you about a new podcast from Yaqeen Institute called Double Take, where we cover issues and topics in Islam that give us pause. Topics such as Will my children be Muslim? Or was Islam spread by the sword? You can find us on YouTube or your favorite podcast app by searching Double Take by Yaqeen Institute.